So I enjoy sharing stories of uh, early on when I met Christy. I hope you enjoy listening to them. Um, one of our uh, earlier dates, I won't say first dates, but it was certainly in the earlier part of our dating relationship, uh, I decided to travel out to Rhode Island where Christy was going to college and uh, take her uh, to uh, go horseback riding. It, it sounded it was something to do, and uh, it sounded romantic. I had never been on a horse in my life, but how hard could it possibly be? So we arrive at the stables, uh, you might say, the farm, and there are several people there that are going to be uh, that are part of this uh, group that are going to go out on the trails with the horse, and and they bring me over to my horse, and it looks more like a crazed mule than a horse. And then they bring Christy over alongside of me, and they bring her horse, and it's just really sleek-looking, sort of a thoroughbred type of a horse. It's significant contrast. So I attempt to board my horse, and it, it doesn't go well. It, it, it's a lot harder than I thought. And, and finally, I get on the horse. Okay, it was a rough start. It was tough, but, you know, the challenge is behind me. And we start to get going, but not quite. Things begin to get more difficult because now my horse starts to bite Christie's horse on the butt. There's really no other way to say it. And at first I think it's funny, but then Christie's horse starts with, you know, the, the back kick, and, you know, I'm, I'm right there, and so now it's not funny at all anymore. And my horse starts getting, you know, hostile and jumping all over the place. And I don't know if, you, if you've ever been on a horse, when they move, you know, you know back and forth, it, it's fairly powerful and it's a bit disturbing. So, okay, so finally now they come over, the guides, the tour guides, and they separate my horse from Christie's horse. I think they put Christie's horse up in the front and they put me in the back. And in doing that, now they separated me from Christie's. So there goes the romantic horseback ride. And all this seems okay. Now we start to go and we're, you know, traveling through the woods and the trails. And then, and then someone, uh, I guess one of the uh, other riders, had gotten nervous and said, I, I can't go on. I, I, I got to go back. I, I'm not feeling well. And so the uh, leader of the group says, all right, we're going we're gonna to go back. Uh, we'll, take a, we'll go back a different way. Uh, so at least you'll get some, you know, some bit of a trail and something from the ride. You won't be cut too short. But we have to go back as a group. And so we set on and and we come across this really, really um, large, beautiful open field of rolling grass. And suddenly Christie's horse, remember the thoroughbred, sees the field. They had never gone by this field. This was out of the ordinary and bolts. And I mean, boom, and takes off. And my horse sees her horse and my horse chases a horse and starts to go after a horse crazy mule that I'm on and so I don't know if you've ever been on a horse when it's like you know thundering and you, you literally feel the ground come up into your chest and within seconds I just grabbed the mane of the horse buried my face in the horse's neck and just closed my eyes and started out I just hung on for dear life well after a short bit I just kind of peeked up to see what was happening with Christy and I start to see her falling off a horse to the point where now she's sort of inverted. Her head is down, you know, by the horse's like kind of 
you know, we'll call it ribs, and her feet are up in the air. Now her horse jumps a stone wall and throws Christy. Christy goes flying. I literally watch her body hit and flop over like three or four times. And now she, and I, I jump off my horse. I go flying. I roll. I get up, and there she is. She's laying there lifeless. I, I'm like, oh, my, how bad can things have gone? And I go running over. I just, like, I slide in the grass. I, I said, I'm yelling, and turns out, you know, she was dazed and, and a bit shook up, certainly shocked, but, but she was unharmed. And uh, she's a tough gal, my wife, and, uh, and she, you know, picked herself up, and uh, she actually wound up getting back up on the horse. So I thought things were going tough when I first got on the horse. Little did I know that it would get tougher and tougher and harder and harder. Let's jump into Jeremiah chapter 12 today. Jeremiah is a prophet called by God to share God's message of judgment to his people and to the nation of Israel. The message Jeremiah is bringing is it's not welcomed by the people of Israel. And Jeremiah himself is not welcomed as a prophet. And that's an understatement. So Jeremiah now, after after not being welcomed and the message not being received or responded to, he comes before God and he brings his issues to God in Jeremiah chapter 12. Let's start with verse 1. Jeremiah says, you are always righteous, Lord. When I bring a case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Meaning, I I, I want to talk with you, God, about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. Jeremiah is talking about the people and the nation of Israel who profess to believe in God, but are living out a way apart from God, worshiping idols. In verse 3, Jeremiah says, Yet you know me, Lord. You see me and test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of the slaughter. I think he's had enough of them. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and the birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happened to us. Now, Jeremiah begins by bringing his issues before God. And and, and really, it seems like part of Jeremiah's issues is with God. And then in verse 5, God answers Jeremiah. He says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Maybe that's not the answer Jeremiah expected. What God is telling Jeremiah here is you think it's tough now, Jeremiah? It's going to get tougher. And that's not what was Jeremiah expecting to hear. It's certainly not what Jeremiah wanted to hear. God is saying, hey, Jeremiah, get ready. It's going to get more difficult. God knows all things, so he knows it's not what Jeremiah wanted to hear, but it's what Jeremiah needed to hear. God is saying, Jeremiah, get your eyes off them in the circumstances and put them on me. You're going to need to be in that place in your heart and mind for what's coming and what's ahead. 
God says, if you can't run with men, Jeremiah, how are you going to run with horses? God's saying there are greater things for you, Jeremiah. There are things ahead that I have for you, my plan in your life and what I've called you to. I called you to be a prophet. I called you to be my messenger to my people. And if you focus on how difficult it is now, you're going to forget what I've promised you. And we want to hear that. If we focus and get mired in the circumstances and what's going on and the difficulties, we will forget what God has promised us, promised us, what God has called us to, what is most important in our lives. If nothing else, most importantly, eternal life and seeing people come to know Jesus and having that same eternal life. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to run with the horses God has made plans for you, and he's called you just like he did the prophet Jeremiah. God desires to work through you and I to build his kingdom, to see those apart from his Father in heaven be reconciled to their God. God desires to do more in your life. Let us stop walking with men. Let us stop living mediocre, ordinary lives. Let us stop getting deterred and, 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 and mired in the circumstances and the difficulties. Let us believe that there's more. God has more for us as we run with the horses. Yeah, there'll be greater challenges, but there'll be more of God in those greater challenges. And that means there'll be more in our relationships, more in our marriages, more in our occupation, more in our schooling. There'll be more. There's more that God wants to do here at Chair City Church. And, and God wants you to be a part of it. In these challenging times, things might get worse before they get better. Or at least it certainly could seem that way. But I've said before at the very beginning of this season that we're in. We want to be looking for the opportunities that we truly believe that God is going to be, you know, placing opportunities in our path, in our midst. And it's going to be a result of what's happening, that God does not sleep, he does not slumber. We need to be looking to see where God's hand is and what it's doing. And we must remember that with, we must remember that that opposition escalates with opportunity. Where there's opportunity, there's going to be opposition because we have an adversary who hates God and therefore hates us. Jeremiah is telling the people, hey, you know, Jeremiah is telling actually, you know, saying, hey, it's getting difficult. It's getting really difficult. He's giving the message that God gave him to share with the people, and they're mocking him. They went as far as throwing him into a pit and hurling objects down upon him while he was down in there. And all that God told Jeremiah would come to be did. He was known all over the land, Jeremiah. He did speak before kings. All that came to be, though, it was incredibly difficult. And at times it seemed worthless. You see, of all the messages that Jeremiah shared pertaining to what God told him to, there's no record of anyone responding in a positive way. Opposition escalates with opportunity. 
God loves you and he has a plan for you. Satan, Satan hates you and me and he wants to deter us from that plan. If Satan couldn't get you to hell because you gave your life to Jesus, then he wants to keep you from living for heaven here on earth. Things are difficult. They could get worse, but God has a plan. God is with you. He's preparing you for that plan. Don't walk with men. Persevere and run with the horses. There are opportunities for you, for you to experience more of God, more of Jesus, more of God's revelation in your life. Where there are opportunities, there will be opposition. I've mentioned before that this has been a challenging time for me and my family. When I first time I said that, we were probably, I don't know, five, six weeks in. I, I'd never thought that this would go as far as it has, eight months in. So I'll say it again. This has been a challenging time for our family. Our church is a central part of my family. Our lives are very much... Uh, you know, centered around the church or, or in the church. It, it, uh, the church and our leading and loving the church is a central part of our relationship with God. We go week to week, we, we, we press on, and, and yet we, we yearn for what was. It, we, it, it gets hard from time to time, but we'll notice it. One of us might come out and say, wow, you know, I just... I, I, I wish things were the way they were, or I, I, I miss, I miss the way things were. We don't do it often. We don't want to discourage each other. We, we, we're used to working very hard as a family, and, and, and we're used to seeing things build and grow. And, and in, these, in this season, it seems as though we work sometimes just as hard or even harder, and on the surface, it might seem as though things aren't growing or things have lessened. Sometimes it might seem like we're going more backwards than forward, like these last few weeks. And yet we deeply believe, based on what we've seen God do in our lives and in this church, that where there is opportunities, there is opposition. And we must remember what God has called us to, what he's preparing us for. We must be united and prepared for what God is calling us to. We must remember that we've honored God in the planting and the starting of this church, that we've honored God and, and him working through us in the building up of this church, that we've prayed to God. We're a church that prays and seeks God, and we know that God is with us. It's encouraging to hear from you during the week, your text or call or emails. It's encouraging to see you're continually giving generously. It's encouraging for me to hear your good deeds to one another out there. Yeah, it's a difficult time. And yes, we, we are seeing some significant difficulties and, and, and they tend to be piling. But I, I remember, I remember the great difficulties we had when we started this church and I've shared uh, some of them with you. I remember the great difficulties we had when we when we purchased the building and began to renovate, and I've shared some of those with you. I, 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 re, I remember like Jeremiah both times, almost, you know, 10 years ago and three to four years ago, asking God, why? 
Why, why is this so hard? Why is this happening? I remember times of beginning to endure difficulties and, and seeing it get worse and, and increasingly worse to a point where both times I, I seemingly had come to the end of myself emotionally and physically. Moments of pain emotionally and physically. And I, as I stand here today, I'm in this room talking to you, my friends, and I can say that God puts to use what he puts you through. It's so true. As we say here at Cheer City Church, God doesn't waste your pain. There's a saying Christian I have when we go through some of the most difficult times. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. It's a commonly repeated verse. Sometimes it can be taken out of context or not sort of brought forward in it in, in, a, in its uh, and, and understood nearly entirely perhaps that it was, it was intended to be understood. Paul wrote this to the Romans, that the Christian church that had begun in, begun in Rome. It was written about A.D. 57, 58. And at that time, the Romans were the authority in Rome and in the then known world, large territory. And specifically, the ultimate authority was the Roman emperor who is seen also as a god to be worshipped. And in the emperor in A.D. 57 to 58, when Paul is writing Romans 8.28, his name was Nero. Now, Nero, history tells us, was an ins- people consider him to be a, an insane man and, and a cruel man. Only six years from when Paul writes the letter of Romans to these people, the church there in Rome, Nero would inflict horrific atrocities upon those who profess to be Christian. And it's in, in this context, he certainly wasn't a darling before he began to kill them and set them on fire. The persecution had begun. And it's in this context that Paul writes what, what we know, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his good purpose. In that same chapter 8 of Romans, Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says we are more than conquerors. Conquerors ride horses. You and I as followers of Christ, we run with the horses. Those Christians that endured that time of persecution under Nero, they believed there was more. There was more than was just on this earth. There was more to live for. Their life, they had been called for more. They were destined for more. They walked with men and they ran with horses. Things were difficult and they became increasingly more difficult, but they ran with the horses. God puts to use what he puts you through. That's why you and I are here today as followers of Christ. 
because that they ran with the horses. They endured the difficulties. Sometimes we suffer and others get that good <laughs> that we're thinking of in Romans 8.28. You and I need to have a bigger view of what's happening. We need to expand our vision of who God is and what he has called us to. You know, when we think Romans chapter 8, God works all things for good of those who love him. You know, sometimes or often we apply it to things like, you know, I was in line at the store and it was a really long line and I, and I was late already and now I was being delayed longer. I was getting frustrated and, you know, and then, you know, they changed cashiers and, and I got to the register and it was somebody I knew and they gave me 20% off. God works for the good of all those who believe in him, right? Yeah, I guess you could toss that in to it, but, but maybe there's something really bigger than that. Maybe God's calling you and he's telling you, hey, if you can't walk with men, you're not going to run with horses. Hey, things are difficult, but they're going to get more difficult. Hey, fix your eyes on me and not the circumstances. I'm calling you to something greater. There are opportunities out there for you. I have a plan for you, and I'm going to put to use the difficulty that you're going through and you will be going through. How did God put to use what Jeremiah went through? He's doing it right now. You and I reading these words in Jeremiah in the 12th chapter. It's probably been done billions of times since the words were written. Not only the words we read earlier, but how about Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, speaking to the same nation of Israel, the ones that are disobeying him, turning from him, running away from him, not with him. The ones who now he's casting judgment on and telling them, you're going to be taken captive by the Babylonians. You're going to go and be taken away from this land for 70 years. He said, for I, but know this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. I will not give up on you. I love you. We have a God who does not give up on us. He loves us. God has a plan for you. And at the center of that plan is Jesus Christ. God wants you to have faith in his son, Jesus, who demonstrated God's love for you by giving his life on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, when you weren't running with God, but you were running away from God. It's how I lived most of my adult life, running away from God. At that time, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's you. You don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. You might sort of believe in him, some ways acknowledge him, but you don't have this personal relationship with Jesus. And you need to know that God intended for you to have that relationship. Today, right now, God is calling you to faith in Jesus Christ. He's calling you to stop hiding, to stop walking, to stop living the mediocre, ordinary life. He's telling you to, to come and run with the horses, to come and run with him. That, yeah, things are challenging and things might become increasingly challenging, but he will be with you and he's preparing you for something greater. He's calling you, most of all, into a relationship with him. Will you trust in Jesus today? Now, if... This has resonated what I'm saying to you. And, and, and you 
have this sense of the presence of God upon you and, and, and you, your answer is yes to that, then I encourage you to say these words within yourself from you to your heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Heavenly Father, I ask for your forgiveness and I believe according to your word that I am forgiven that I have new life. I'm born again. Here I am, God. I want to know more of you. I want to have a relationship with Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said these words or similar words, then the Bible says you've started a relationship with Jesus Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. Now, if that's you, we'd like to, we'd like to know about that. We want to we wanna pray for you. We want to send you a package in the mail with a, a unique Bible to get you going in your newfound faith. So if you would text one word, Chair City, one word, to 97000, it'll take you to a form. It's a simple form. You can fill it out and send it in, and we'll get that package out to you with some other information in a few days. We're so grateful and glad that you've made this incredible, life-changing decision to follow Jesus Christ. So the people in the days of Jeremiah, they didn't listen to Jeremiah, but we are. They didn't respond to Jeremiah, but we will today. We will run with the horses Things have been tough, but we're prepared. We know God is preparing us for them to get tougher. We know things have been difficult, and we know they might get difficult, but we're going to persevere, and we're going to run with the horses. We're not going to live out a mediocre Christianity. We're not going to miss out on the opportunities that God has for us while he builds his kingdom. I hope you believe that for your home, for your relationships. Today you can turn to God and say, hey, it's tough and it's been uncertain. But if you say that you don't want me to run just with men, I'm not going to. If you're saying, hey, you want me to run with horses, I'm going to. I will run with the horses. I will persevere in your name by your strength. Things could get tougher, but I'm going to get better. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to know more of you. I am determined to know more of you. I will not let this season in my life pass without knowing more of you, without experiencing more of you, without giving more of myself to you and to your kingdom. I am ready, God. I am ready to run. I'm ready to live out your plan in my life. Today, I'm going to start knowing more of you. I'm going to give more, serve more, care more, forgive more, trust more. And I'm going to live out my life in the most magnificent and beautiful way in the midst of all of this difficulty. And I need you, God. I need to know more of you because I can't run as fast as a horse can on my own. I need your supernatural divine power in my life. My strength is not sufficient, but you in me, I am strong. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. God is with you. Circumstances might get better, but they might not. 
things could get worse as far as the, pra the practical goes. Earlier I mentioned that Roman Emperor Nero and his brutal persecutions of the Christians. That persecution was at its height in about A.D. 64, like I said, six, seven years from the writing of the book of Romans. And many think that over time the persecution lessened as Christians, you know, became known for their love of people over, over the years. But the persecution actually grew. See, when Nero persecuted the Christians, it was, in a, it was just, it was really kind of centered there in Rome. It had not kind of, it wasn't happening throughout the rest of the territories other than Hellenistic Jews coming against their fellow Jews for practicing Christianity. Uh, but, but, uh, but it was, as far as the world and Romans persecuting Christians, it was just there in Rome. But then it grew. And it began to increase. And then in three, A.D. 303, 303, persecution heightened to its worst point ever. Things weren't getting better. It got worse. And now at three, A.D. 303, it's, it's worst ever under Roman Emperor Diocelin. And I probably butchered that. He, this emperor, issued an edict that declared Christianity illegal. And all those who converted to Christianity were, to be, were sentenced to death. All property owned by Christians was seized and removed from their possessions. All Christians employed by the government, probably the largest employer, the, the Roman Empire, were removed from their position, positions of employment. All literature pertaining to Jesus Christ was seized and burned, confiscated and burned. And those Christians, they decided we will not just walk with men. We will run with the horses. We will persevere. Things have been difficult, and now they've just gotten harder than ever. But we will run with horses. We know who we are. We know who we follow. We know what our reward is in heaven. We will persevere. And then it happened in the midst of, the, of what was worse than they ever thought it could have happened in the midst of the worst persecution, around A.D. 306, another emperor arrives on the scene, and his name is Constantine. And God, in the coming years, touches Constantine's heart, he reveals himself to Constantine, and in A.D. 313, 10 years, just 10 years from this height of persecution, Constantine issues the Edict of Milan, and it calls for all wrongdoing against Christians to stop immediately. That any property that had been taken from Christians to be returned without any compensation on the Christian's part. Meaning, they're getting it back for free. There'll be no more mistreatment of Christians. They can now hold jobs again throughout the Roman Empire and restore to some of those jobs immediately. In just 10 years... The unthinkable happens, and God flips the whole thing on its head. They got to experience that because they persevered and held to their face. They fixed their eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. If they were here today, my friends, they would tell you, listen, 
things are difficult, they might get even more difficult. But look, opposition escalates with opportunity. There are opportunities in the midst of all that difficulty. And it might tell you that God puts to use what he puts you through. He did it in our lives. That's why we're here today. That's why you're here today. I'm so grateful to be your pastor in times like this. Always have been, but more than ever, I'm grateful to be your pastor. We have such a wonderful church community. I'm grateful that you're out there. I, I am looking, I'm looking forward to seeing you next Sunday. It is our plan to come together in our building, to continually to move forward through this challenging time, to continually see God move in our midst, to continually see us know more of Jesus Christ, to continue becoming more and more united as God plans for what he has for us, to continue to look for the opportunities in our midst that God is raising up to God be the glory.